This is Dispatches from the Frontline, readings from the diary of Sister Nan Ray, who served for four grueling years on the frontline of the battlefields of World War I, read by Geraldine Cook Daphna. Nineteen eighteen, August 21st. The start of the big British offensive. Beaucoup de work. From 21st to 30th of August, every day of diary says, work. More and more work. 1,054 cases in this theatre since the push began. September 4th. Still very busy, but orders have come for us to move forward. Lorry hopped to number 6, casualty clearing station and said goodbye to Gabrielle. PM, a cheerio in the sisters' mess. September 5th, busy day packing equipment and mess things. Most of the unit left us at 11.30. Sisters distributed all over the place. Only matron, SD and I are left, so we lunched with the medical officers. Had a quiet afternoon, tea at number 43, comfy drive to number 12, stationary hospital, St. Paul. We were very nicely received, and with about 12 to 14 other sisters, are occupying a large hospital marquee erected on an enclosed field next door to the hospital camp. Screams of terror and laughter when a large, wild-looking cow put its head and shoulders through one end doorway and bellowed at nine o'clock. I was far enough away to see the funny side. I've never seen tired nurses hop out of bed so quickly. Two of us sallied forth with hurricane lamps and sticks and tried to shoo it away whilst others encouraged us with scraps of the Toreador song. The poor creature was so frightened and would stay around the tent and plunge into the guy ropes. The field was large and dark and very wet and the exit very small. So in the end we called in some orderlies from the camp to help us. September 6th. Breakfast at 8.15. Walked to the town, then did some mending till lunchtime. A real bath and a proper bath. A lazy afternoon and another walk to town with matron to shop for the mess. Early to bed. September 7th. Another wet day. Late orders to proceed to Boileau-sur-Marc. Evening journey in ambulances very interesting and weird. Arrived at the newly pitched number 19 casualty clearing station at 8.30pm. It is no man's land. A most desolate place, lately evacuated by troops. We are all in old enemy trenches and dugouts. Rain, mud and more mud. Darkness. Weird. Luggage came at 10.30pm. September 12th, heavy rain. Camp looking very desolate. Awful squelchy mud and not nearly enough duckboards. Hard day's work. Started to take in at 9am. Great scramble to get theatre ready. Major S, surgeon specialist, and I started ops at 11.30am and worked solidly for 14 hours till 1am. September 13th, very strenuous day and night. 14th and 15th, same. September 16th, pre-operation tent cleared at last. Quieter afternoon, went for a short walk and had a ride in a tank. 
One seems to travel in waves over trenches and mounds and trees and anything. All very interesting in the observer's perch and watch through spy holes. September 17th, another push. Hard days. Work till 12.30. 16 hours on end. 18th, on duty all day until 10.30pm. 19th, convoys of wounded arriving. Called up at 3.45am to find pre-op filling with bad cases. Work strenuously all day and until 1.30am. Nearly 22 hours. My longest on-duty time. September 20th, started work at 8.30am, still very heavy cases, mostly multiples, that is patients wounded all over. Work till 9pm, then dinner and bed 10pm. Feel very tired. 21st, clearer morning, inspection by American matron-in-chief. Did dressings under anaesthetic until 1.45. Quieter afternoon. October the 6th, with Major S and Major C., visited some battlefield in a fruitless search for the grave of the Assistant Director of Ordnance Service. An unsuccessful pilgrimage for me, and a very sad day. Posier, Haute-Bois, Cotalmaçon, Bazantin le Petit, both majors found their brothers' graves. Seventh, breakfast in bed. Twelve o'clock, sudden orders for our theatre team to go to number 18, casualty clearing station, at Ytre. We are to work whilst our camp is being moved again, nearer the line. Our men advance quickly these days and leave us behind so soon. Arrived at number 18, pouring rain, Elle and I sharing a bell tent pitched on very wet grass. But we are quite happy. Major S, very good to us and most thoughtful. Our team consists of the surgeon, Major S and Sister L, anaesthetist, a theatre sergeant and myself. Their casualty clearing station a bit chaotic. October 8th to the 12th, work, 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 day and night. 13th, more work. Wonderful rumours of the German evacuation of northern France and Belgium, thrilled but incredulous. October 27th, we three lorry-hopped to Caudry. A wonderful ride. Returned 7.30pm. Left number 18, casualty clearing station, in a charabank. Picnic luncheon in gardens at Caudry. Arrived at number 19, casualty clearing station, now established in a lace factory. A house in the town has been given to the sisters, Chateau Rouge. Slept in a house for the first time since I was on leave. 29th. Very busy time trying to fix up theatre. Rather difficult. I have an enormous room of this fine factory. Concrete floor and splendid overhead lighting. The building has been used as a hospital by the Germans who have only just, yesterday, evacuated Caudry. The engineers are in charge of this town and we are warned not to enter any shop or house as they suspect mines and time fuses. The place is absolutely deserted, as the inhabitants fled when the Germans came into occupation early in the war.
30th. The Kultri Railway Bridge blew up at about 8am. They say there was a mine and a time fuse there. I had just come along from the Chateau Rouge in an ambulance, and two night sisters were returning and were only a few yards away when it happened, sitting in a front seat. Two horses in a lorry just in front were killed outright. One of our sisters received a head wound, and both were covered with mud. She looked like a terrible casualty, with mud and blood all over her white cap and apron. The road is like pea soup. Happily, wound is not very serious. I was just going in the gate and got a good sprinkling of debris. Sister was rushed back into the theatre and fixed up. November the 1st. The theatre looks very fine. We have ten operating tables in it and mostly five visiting surgeons with their teams are working together. Each team has two tables, so whilst the patient on table one is being fixed up after an op for removal to the ward and the surgeon and sister are washing up, the anaesthetist starts to dope the patient on table two. Convoys are arriving continually, so we have no time to spare, and all are working at high pressure. Second, temporary bridge nearly ready. Seems like an army of engineers, etc., working all day and all night in the great excavation caused by the explosion and the mine. Huge arc lights at night make a weird picture of the workers. It is wonderful how quickly it is all being repaired. Like magic. Fifth, heavy work. The problem of keeping up stock is terrific when so many are working. I have an army of orderlies at work on stock, others on gloves, others on sterilising. They need so much supervision. It is a big charge. Of course, I am still assisting Major S, and, as surgeon specialist, he gets all the biggest cases. November the 11th. They say an armistice was signed today. It seems impossible. We're certainly not receiving... But then we are full up, and lots of extra tents are up for the flu cases. There was quite a lavish display of very lights from our nearest aerodrome tonight. So perhaps we are celebrating. November the 28th. The race meeting luncheon party. Heard a recall of Major S for special orthopaedic surgery in London. Had tea together at the Chateau Rouge. November 29th, party in Sister's Mess. December 5th, we have started to dismantle Big Theatre. The sergeant has gone on leave, rather tired, so went to bed before dinner. Surgical cases clearing up. Very little theatre work now. Thank you for listening to Dispatches from the Frontline. This project was directed by Naomi Edwards, read by Geraldine Cook-Defner. Original music and sound design by Zoltan Fecho, with producing support from Tristan Meacham and voice editing by Alex Defner. The creative team gratefully acknowledges the support of the Victorian government through the Community Support Fund and Public Record Office Victoria 
and Creative Victoria with Regional Arts Victoria through the Sustaining Creative Workers Initiative supported by all the Queen's men. We would like to thank the Selman family and in particular Meg Selman for allowing us to use Nanray's diary.